Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we have a great show on tap for you as we bring together the best and brightest in recruiting and make sure you're up to date on all the major headlines across the country. Blair, we are unofficially calling this time of year flip season. Yes, Emily, it's a captivating part of the year, and we've seen college coaches really embrace that. Remember two years ago, Lane Kiffin wore the Mary Flipmas <laughs> sweater to a press conference. Last year, we had Deion Sanders subliminally tweeting about Travis Hunter before he flipped him from, from Florida State. And uh, this is a really, really fun time of year, and I'm excited to see what happens and, and what coaches bring to the table. Yeah, let's talk about it. Here's today's menu. We will first run through the biggest storylines and then welcome in Steve Wiltfong for all things Oregon. After that, a check-in with Oklahoma, and we'll wrap things up with an in-depth look at a white-hot whiteout in State College. Let's hit those headlines. Mark your calendars. Five-star corner Kermani McLean will make his long-awaited decision a week from today, Thursday, October 27th at 6 o'clock. He is the number two player in the top 24-7 rankings. Florida leading the crystal ball, but how wide open is this? Yes, and all those crystal ball predictions are at a medium confidence level, and that's because Alabama is, is hovering around. They've been involved for such a long time, and whenever Nick Saban in, is involved in a high-profile recruitment, you can never count out the Crimson Tide. Certainly. Well, in the 2024 class, four-star linebacker Dylan Williams decommits from USC. He had been locked into the Trojans since April. What happened? This is just a case of a player committing a bit too early. He's a 2024 top 24-7 prospect, and he's got a long way to go over a year until he puts pen to paper. He just landed a few offers, Oregon involved in that recruitment now. I think he wants to take a step back and really assess all his options. But he did tell Greg Biggins, our national analyst at 24-7 Sports, that USC is still at the top of his recruitment. All right, the number one player in California is set to visit the Tide this weekend. 2024 composite five-star quarterback Julian Sayan. Now, this isn't his first SEC trip. He also visited LSU in September. He's looking far from home, Blair. Yes, and this is a trend, right? We've been seeing a lot of West Coast recruits look at those national programs in the SEC, in the Big Ten, in the ACC. And Georgia is also a school that's been linked with Julian Sayan. Plenty of SEC flavor in his recruitment. And it, this is, I, I think, not a shock. I don't, I don't know if we would be considered uh, a, a shock if he were to end up outside the West region. All right, that was just a taste. We have way more to get to on this show, so let's welcome in Director of Recruiting, Steve Wiltfong. Steve, 
while we're on the topic here of the West Coast, Oregon taking advantage of a top 10 showdown with UCLA this weekend by playing host to a number of top recruits. So let's start kind of big picture here. Dan Lanning, year one. What are your early impressions of him as a recruiter now that he's in the big chair? Well, before he even got to Oregon, I thought he was one of the best assistant coach recruiters in the country, played a big part in a lot of massive recruiting wins that Georgia had. Nolan Smith comes to mind. Kobe Dean was a real slobber knocker on the trail that Georgia won out for. And Malachi Starks, you see him making an impact in the secondary right now as a true freshman for Georgia. He was the lead recruiter on Malachi Starks too. So he's, he understands what it takes on the trail to recruit at a national uh, title uh, a pace. And it's not just recruiting and building relationships with top targets, which he's very involved from the corner office at Oregon, but also identifying well, evaluating well, and making sure that you are recruiting the right players for your culture and your scheme. Steve, Oregon is pacing right now the Pac-12 conference with the number one class in that conference. And Mario Cristobal was known as a really, really good recruiter when he was with the Ducks. I think in the, the continuity here has been really important. Have you been surprised uh, with how quickly he's been able to adjust to life in Eugene? No, because again, I think recruiting is about relationships. <clears throat> Excuse me, recruiting is about relationships. And being able to communicate your message to, to prospects and, and coaches and, and, and parents about why your program is, is right for that young man. And, and you look at the way Oregon closed 2022. They went out for Josh Connerly, the number one ranked offensive lineman in the top 247 rankings. They, they land Kyler Casper, get him to reclassify. They had some big recruiting wins at the end of 2022. They're atop the Pac-12 standings for maybe a fifth straight year. Here in 2023 in Oregon, as you know, Blair uh, has a lot to sell as well. It's it's I've been to campus there a few times. It, it's uh, it's got a great environment there, a great atmosphere, great ambiance, and, and and obviously there's a lot of people backing that Oregon football program. And, and and certainly Oregon's a school that when you talk to prospects, a lot of them say it's one of their dream schools that they want to get an offer from. So that that logo means a lot on the trail as well. So for Dan Landing and his staff, it's building on that and, and uh, taking next level with, with key targets as they battle two or three schools down the stretch. And we've seen them fare well so far. Yeah, he managed to reel in five-star quarterback Dante Moore, so he must be doing something right. Steve Moore is largely seen as the face of this 23 class, and we've seen guys in a position like that, like an Arch Manning, Nico Iamaliava, they help recruit their own class. How can Moore be that kind of recruiter for the Ducks? Yeah, and Kenny Dillingham gets a lot of credit for recruiting Dante Moore to Oregon as well, a relationship that went back to his days at Florida State. But Dante, just his presence in the class alone means so much to his peers on the trail. Guys want to play with great players. They want to play for a program that's on a great trajectory. And we see the way Oregon's playing right now. And then you also see a recruiting class that has a foundation to keep this thing rocking and rolling for years to come. And Dante Moore is a big part of that. Led Detroit King to a state championship as a junior. Guy that was our top performer at the Elite 11 Finals in the summer. Kids are reading that stuff and they see him out there as a, as a young man that they can go to Oregon and win big with. And, and that's really resonated. Dante's a pretty chill guy. He's not going to be the most outspoken on social media recruiter of Oregon. But I would imagine when he texts top Oregon targets and texts his peers, their messages that mean a lot.
Steve, you mentioned him being a chill guy, and we've seen him at a number of events. He's all business, no matter if it's a friendly or it, it just a seven-on-seven -seven matchup. Uh, but he's got a lot of competitive juice. How how much expectation do you have from him as a five-star player to potentially make an impact in that quarterback room from the day he steps foot on campus? Well, I think he's someone that can come in and certainly push the room on day one with his talent level, and he's good enough to come in and impact really any college program with his ability to see the field. He's accurate, he's strong, he can make all the throws. And I still think he's developing physically. So there's a lot of exciting trajectory and upside with Dante as well. But I think that Oregon has a talented quarterback room with some guys in there that the staff's also excited about. So Dante can come in there and, and, and compete with Ty Thompson and, and whoever else is standing in his way of the starting job when he arrives. We referred to this time as uh, flip season. Oregon certainly hoping that's the case with four-star safety Peyton Bowen. He is currently committed to Notre Dame. So, Steve, where do things stand with him? Well, I'm not so sure I'm ready to get the spatula out uh, for Peyton Bowen in Oregon right now. But it is exciting for Oregon that they're able to get this young man out to campus for a visit this weekend because he is a player that they've been communicating with for quite some time. And Oregon's a program that he's obviously had some interest in. Texas A&M and Oklahoma are the schools that are really hovering around this recruitment right now with their spatulas for the longtime Notre Dame commit. He's also got a younger brother, Eli, who's highly recruited that all these schools are, are coming after too. So it's just a big visit for the Bowen family in general, but certainly Peyton Bowen is a championship level player. Those are Oregon's aspirations. They would love to have him, as would obviously Oklahoma and, and uh, Texas A&M and Notre Dame fighting to keep him in the fold. Peyton Bowen known as a really dynamic defender in that back half of the secondary. Dan Lanning known for his defense. Steve, how close do you think that roster is to being athletically at that same level that he had in Athens when he was at Georgia? Well, I think we kind of saw the difference between Georgia and the others in college football. There's only a few programs that can play on Georgia's level right now. Oregon got a shot at them at week one. Maybe if they played them again, it, it would be closer. But when a team like Georgia is on its game and Ohio State's on its game, uh, they're just so much more talented than, than the other programs. Now, Oregon, they've recruited four straight number one classes in the Pac-12. I think that they've recruited some really quality players on the offensive front. You have your franchise quarterback and Dante Moore coming in to push another high-ranked guy in a class before him and Ty Thompson. And then this receiver class that Oregon has put together is as electric as any group uh, that anyone's bringing in in the country right there alongside Ohio State, who has obviously has a terrific receiver class in USC as well. Uh, uh, but uh, Oregon, they've landed some talented defensive backs in this class with Caleb Presley and Cole Martin, to name a few. Uh, uh, but a guy like Peyton Bowen, you can't get enough. And I think that if you're Oregon right now, they're not turning away any good players on defense as they try and build that defense into a championship caliber unit. Yeah, Kirby Smart admitting after that game that Dan Lanning probably wouldn't say it out loud, but there is a difference in talent working on changing that. Another guy on flip watch, three-star wideout Tretch Kekahuna. He is currently committed to Wisconsin, but Steve, what's he doing in Eugene? Well, he's out there coming to see 
a top 10 ranked offense in the country, one that's lighting up the scoreboard at a rapid rate since that first game against the Georgia Bulldogs. He plays for Bishop Gorman. Blair's very familiar with them. Bishop Gorman has the number one receiver in the country on their roster and Zachariah Branch. Yet this is the young man that leads them in receptions and receiving yards and receiving scores. And then there you see him there in special teams making plays there. This is a guy that if you're Wisconsin, uh, you're an offense that's kind of been stuck in the stone ages. This is the kind of guy that can flip that trajectory upside down, perhaps, if you're Coach Leonard and company there in Madison. You hate to see a player of this playmaking ability in Eugene, but Oregon, this is a guy, again, receiver is a need for them. I think it was one of the areas that they identified early on and said, hey, we got to get a lot better at wideout. They have Jerion Dickey, who's as good as it comes in the class, Ashton Kozer, who can really fly. Uh, and they would certainly like to add this young man to the fold. Yeah, Stephen, they already have Cody DeCambra committed uh, already in that class from Bishop Gorman as well, also a Hawaii native. How much of an impact do you think that could have in the recruiting battle? I know recruits talk to other recruits. Yeah, certainly. And obviously, Cody's excited about his future at Oregon. When you walk the halls at Bishop Gorman, you can't really turn your head without seeing another Power 5 recruit. So there's all kinds of... Uh, guys probably recruiting for, for their respective schools there. But Oregon, this is a young man that they're in on late and, and they're really pushing for. And having Cody is probably another layer. You never know what inch is going to help you win a recruitment. Now, I haven't asked Tretch if, if, if Cody being at Oregon is going to help the Ducks' chances. But again, recruiting is a game of inches and you just want to pile up as many inches as you can and hope that uh, you have the highest, highest total there at the end when the young man's making his decision. Certainly. Thank you so much for all that great insight, Steve. Make sure to check out new episodes of the Wilt Fung Whip Around dropping every Monday and Friday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. Blair, I want to bring you back in here. Kikahuna is such an intriguing situation to monitor because there are some deep ties to Oregon for a lot of Hawaiian players. You mentioned it. One of the most well-known is probably Marcus Mariota, but... How much does Lanning, a guy without many West Coast ties when he took the job, lean into that Hawaiian connection? Yeah, he did a terrific job of bringing in coaches that had a footprint out West, right? Coaches that know the landscape. He got Adrian Clem, who played at Hawaii. Tony Tuioti, the defensive line coach, has tremendous ties out on the islands. And Oregon also has some flavor to him. I, I, don't ask me how I got this, but... There is a Polynesian print uh, Oregon shirt with the word Ohana here, if you can, if you can see here on the edge. Uh, the, Ohana, as you know, it, it means family. It means no one gets left behind, Emily. And uh, that's something that Oregon has really been tying into, right? That's something that they really attack when they go into recruiting battles. And for the longest time, USC was the school known as the destination school for the top Polynesian prospects, right? You think of Troy Polumalu or Junior Seau and guys like that. But now Oregon with Mariota, with the power that they have out West, uh, is certainly a powerhouse to look for when you look at prospects from Hawaii. You bring the recruiting insight, you bring the Lilo and Stitch quotes. We love it, Blair. Mahalo for that. Trouble, though, brewing in the Sooner State. The Brent Venables era is off to kind of a rocky start on the field, but when it comes to recruiting, he isn't just selling the here and now. He's selling a bright future. But is that future in doubt with the present struggles? Let's take a look at Oklahoma's efforts to sustain a strong 2023 class.
We now welcome in Brandon Drum. He's the lead recruiting analyst over at OU Insider, the Oklahoma site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And Brandon, we're here to discuss the recruiting effect of what has been an up and down season and maybe not up to expectations based on what Oklahoma has you know, been accustomed to in, in recent years. Four and three, but number four overall nationally in the composite team recruiting rankings. How is Oklahoma getting it done? I mean, uh, they have a lot to sell. I mean, they're one, they're Oklahoma. I know that sounds like a Homer thing to say, but they, they win a lot. And Venables has pretty much been a part of that program for over a decade. I think he was there for 12, 13 years to start. Uh, left for Clemson for a decade, then came back to Oklahoma, obviously, this year. So he's he's big in that forefront of, you know, building what – Bob Stoops did in the two th early 2000s all the way up to 2011, 2012 before he left for Clemson. So um, it's Oklahoma. They've won a lot. They're the winningest program since what World War II. Uh, so they have that going for them. Obviously, when Riley left uh, and out here, they call him Mule Shoe or other things. Uh, but when Riley left, they uh, uh, they lost a lot of the roster. You lose Caleb Williams, you lose Mario Williams, you lose, I think it was like a, seven, eight guys to the draft. Um, more than that, maybe. I know they had 11 guys go to the NFL Combine. Uh, so that's tough. And when you're replacing, literally they replaced 44% of the roster. Almost half the roster left, whether through draft, graduation, or transfer when Riley left. So there was some turmoil going on in the program. Venables has come in. He's brought guys in, had a really good recruiting class in 2022 when that thing fell apart the second that Riley left too. So he built that thing back up. So he's, he's proven he can recruit. Uh, they're selling the fact that you're going to come in early. You're going to play early and you're going to play a lot and you're going to help us get this thing back to what Oklahoma is supposed to be. So I don't think anybody expected the down year that they're having now, but when you take a step back from it and you take your crimson glasses off, uh, I, I I think this was due, honestly, because Oklahoma hasn't had a season like this since, what, 2014? So it's been almost a decade since Oklahoma's even been down. So, uh, I mean, even Alabama's lost three games in a year every now and then, and that happens. And so uh, Oklahoma's been one that's kind of avoided that. And, and that's kind of how they've gotten it done is – they're Oklahoma. Venables has the legacy of winning at Clemson and Oklahoma, winning national titles, being in national titles. And uh, they've sold that and they've sold that for the future. Brandon, what's interesting, though, is that now they have to navigate that on the recruiting surface, mm -hmm. right? Where, where we head into the early signing period in about two months. We already saw that Colton Vasek, the committed prospect, was out at Texas last weekend. And I think that's a common theme when you look at the top of the rankings and maybe the teams aren't performing up to that standard on the field. Other programs start to poke around and try to figure out who could we flip? How are they going to navigate through this? Well, I think you have to win, obviously. I think what they did against Kansas, Kansas being ranked. I know that sounds weird. Beating Kansas means something, right? Like, but it's 2022. Everything's weird, right, in college football. So uh, it, it seems like post-COVID, nothing's been chalk anymore. And Kansas is winning. They're 
five and two now, I think is their record. They have a chance to be what 10 and two at the end of the year if they somehow pull that off. But I think Kansas probably eight and four, nine and three type year at the end of the season. Uh, and, and if you, you know, you beat them, you go beat Iowa state after this bye weeks up, uh, next week, uh, you get Baylor at home, then you get Oklahoma state at home and then you go to Texas tech there. Oklahoma could go three and one. They could go four and four. They could go two and two. I mean, those are all liable situations. Like they could win every game. They could lose every game. And I know you would want to win more than you lose because that's going to help you on the recruiting trail. But if you win and keep showing improvement from that three straight losses, I think that'll help. Obviously, Colton Vasek being a legacy at Texas, growing up right down the road, that's going to be hard to navigate. He's been committed to Oklahoma for several months. Uh, he still says the right things. He's visiting Oklahoma on November 5th uh, for Baylor. He says, I'm going to be, try to be down there tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, I mean, he, he you got to win. I mean, you win, and these kids probably stick around, and you're not worried about anything. And maybe you flip a player or two from another place. I mean, who knows? I know that's what Oklahoma's trying to do. They're trying to land a couple other guys to finish out this class. Uh, but if you win, I think that winning cures all. I think that's the easy and most simplest way to put it. Jackson Arnold, the five-star quarterback, spearheads this list of, of commitments that right now is number four nationally. What differences have you noticed, Brandon, from the Brent Benables area in terms of recruiting from what we saw under Lincoln Riley? Uh, they're recruiting quarterbacks in back-to-back -back years, so they're actually offering quarterbacks in multiple years. So 2024, they're going to take a quarterback. Normally, Riley would get, like a Jackson Arnold, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the country, and then he would wait a year and try to get a transfer to come in and sit behind him and then go get another big-name quarterback in, uh, let's say, 2025 is how he would do it. Uh, but with Lebby, it's, we're gonna, you know, you're going to recruit every single year and that's what they're going to do i'm going down to watch jackson arnold versus michael hawkins tonight michael hawkins for allen he's one of the top quarterbacks in 2024 he's an ou legacy he's an ou offer so that game will be on espn uh espn2 excuse me tonight um lots of ou offers in that game so we're going to have that covered on ou insider but that that's why i mean that's that to me is the biggest difference and i think the other difference is how much pull Venables has on the defensive side of the ball? I thought everybody, I thought we all thought there would be a down, even with Levy coming in, downtrend and how they recruit on the offense. That hasn't stopped. I think the balance of both sides of the ball, the way Venables is recruiting, is something Oklahoma fans aren't accustomed to. So I think that's probably the biggest difference and why you see them ranked number four in the country right now in the 24-7 composite team rankings. Yeah, Oklahoma four and three on the field, but number four overall nationally in the rankings. Like Brandon mentioned, you can follow all his coverage over at OUinsider.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's one of college football's most iconic traditions, the Penn State whiteout game. Let's be real. It doesn't just look awesome. It's also worth a few points on the scoreboard, and that kind of atmosphere can impact the game but what about recruiting? Let's welcome in 24-7 Sports National Analyst Brian Don to discuss. Brian, the whiteout, one of a kind, but there are special environments all across college football, and that's why we love this sport. But how much does this one resonate with recruits? Yeah, it's something they look forward to all season, just in terms of, you know, you have the Iron Bowl with Bama and Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, UCLA, USC, and some other ones across the country, too. You know, should mention Bedlam with Brandon just on, but you know this is something they circle on the calendar. And for Penn State, there's four big recruiting days of the year. There's a junior day at the end of January. There's a spring game. There's the lash bash in late July, and then it all leads up to the whiteout. And you'll be talking to kids in the spring, and they'll say, "Hey, I was at the whiteout, or I missed last year's whiteout. I need to get there." And so it's huge for them, just in terms of you know, getting all those kids on campus. And you always hear Penn State with 107,000 and the support they get in the community. And this is all melded into one thing from the weekend. You know, it's a night game. It's against Minnesota this year. And really the opponent doesn't seem to matter anymore as long as it's the event of it. And so the kids get to spend most of the day on the campus. There'll be some, you know, academic stuff for, for some of the newer recruits, but it's really just a chance for them to absorb everything Penn State and everything that is great about Penn State. Brian, has there ever been a case or do you recall a recruit who was influenced by the whiteout? Because I wonder, you know, you go out there, you see the 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 environment, you see the atmosphere, the noise, just the visuals, and it, they probably get taken aback. And, and I'm curious, has there ever been a case where, you know, it has influenced the recruitment? I think it influences a ton of recruitments, and I think that's why it's such an important day to get them on campus. I mean, regardless of whether Penn State wins or loses these games, the idea is they are leaving campus feeling great about Penn State, the environment there, and the support of the program. And Blair, you know this. I mean, I've never had a kid say, I committed because of the whiteout, just like (laughs) I've never had a kid say, I committed because of the facilities. Um, But it all helps, and it helps form the opinion and it helps form the positive perception of a school. And there's never just one thing when it comes down to recruiting. Um, I guess NIL may change that conversation, but that's another topic. But there's never just that one thing. It's always things that kind of meld together. And this is the showcase event for Penn State, you know, not only for their fans on the season, but for recruiting. Yeah, a lot of it is kind of just a feeling too, right? you got to be feeling pretty awesome to see that whiteout in person. Well, their 2023 class filling up quite nicely, but there's always room for more. Three-star edge Joseph Mpoyi is considering Auburn, Louisville, Michigan, and more. But his high school teammate, Zion Tracy, is already committed to Penn State. So, Brian, what impact does that have on Mpoyi's recruitment? 
But I think it has a big impact because the reason he's going to this game is he's going with Zion Tracy. And, and so, so Zion is a kid from Long Island who is now at St. Thomas More in Connecticut as a post-grad. Joseph was at Archbishop Carroll in D.C., teammate of Nicholas Harbor, which is how Joseph got on the radar. He's now at St. Thomas More. His, you know, he's from Congo. His family is back there. So kind of like the surrogate family he's with here in the States. He, the mom is going to be coming up and joining him at Penn State. And so, yeah, Zion Tracy gets to drive for four hours or five hours, whatever it is, and tell him, hey, you need to join us at Penn State. And then he gets to experience the atmosphere with them. And then Zion Tracy gets to drive back with them and tell him the same stuff. And then the next day at practice, tell him it. So it impacts it in a big way. But with Joseph, you know, I, I think for me right now, the two schools I'm really keeping an eye on are, are going to be Penn State and see what happens there. And I'm really curious with Virginia Tech because he has talked up Virginia Tech for a long time, Justin, wanting to get down there. The new coach there is Brent Pry, who was the defensive coordinator at Penn State, which is where Joseph got to know him. Um, this is going to be not only a football decision, but an academic decision. Auburn is in the picture as well. Um, when I was with Joseph a few weeks ago, he didn't mention Auburn as much other than Penn State fans will remember this. Jeffrey Emba, a defensive lineman who had gone through the ranks and, and originally from Congo and then was in France. He's at Auburn and, and he stayed in contact with Joseph as well. So some twists and turns in this, but this is a chance for Penn State just to make a huge impression. Brian, I think we know that the cornerstones are already on the roster uh, on the, the offensive side of the ball, right? When you think about uh, the, the, that attack and what they're able to do at the quarterback position and at running back. But how important are these defensive prospects for Penn State in this 23 cycle? Oh, geez, if you listen to James Franklin after Michigan and saying that we need to get bigger on the line of scrimmage, I, I think it's important. But listen, I, I think every cycle is huge for a program like Penn State because they're not trying to get bowl eligible. They're not trying to get to that nine-win plateau. They are trying to get to the college football playoff, which means winning in a division that includes Ohio State and Michigan, which means physical football at the line of scrimmage. And listen, I've talked to a lot of coaches about this. We can dress it up any way we want with offenses. Big Ten football is still power football, and you better be able to run between the tackles, and you better be able to stop another team from running between the tackles. So Penn State has always been good at the linebacker spot. You know, it seems like every year they have a kid or two in the secondary getting drafted. They do have some guys on the edge, but it's really on the line of scrimmage and guys that can, you know, go after the quarterback and be a big factor in the run game. And I think Joseph Mopoy is a kid that, look, he's really raw. He came over to the United States a few years ago to play basketball and transition to football, which a lot of kids do. But he's got that ability to get off the ball quickly and get to the quarterback that can change games. All right, looking to the future, 2024 four-star wide receiver Tysir Denmark will take in the wideout this weekend. And it's hard to believe, guys, but Sean Clifford will have run out of eligibility before Denmark would arrive on campus. It seems like that was never going to happen, but he will be part <laughs> of the Drew Eller era. So, Brian, how much does who will be throwing him the ball factor into his college decision? It factors in some. For a minute, I thought you were going to tell me he was a 2030 prospect that <laughs> Sean Clifford will be out of, out of eligibility. But it way. does factor in some, but it's more system, how they're going to get the ball down the field, how they're going to utilize receivers. And people may look at this and go, hey, a, a 2024 prospect, how big of a deal is that? 
He's a Philly kid. He's from Roman Catholic. He's a top 247 kid. He's also announcing his commitment on November 24th. So it kind of accelerates things with him. And you're looking at Oregon, USC, Penn State, Ohio State, and Tennessee. He's going to try, you know, he's going to Penn State this weekend. He's going to try to get out to Tennessee next weekend. I can see him maybe trying to finagle a trip out to USC and get that done. But I think right now, from everything I hear, everybody's chasing Ohio State. But it goes back to what we, we stated at the beginning of this, the influence of being in an environment with the whiteout. He's going with a teammate who's committed, Jamio Lyons, who's an edge guy. So I, I think that's all important, too. But this is Penn State's chance. This is going to be their biggest chance to make a mark with him before he announces. Yeah, big-time pass catcher. They obviously have Drew Aller already on the roster. Uh, but there's been a new emphasis, Brian, on revamping the offensive line. And that approach to get out in front of a lot of recruiting battles, I think, has been noteworthy. Can you take us uh, inside of what that's been like for Penn State in, in not only 24, but beyond? Yeah, I think when you go back and you look a few years ago when Phil Troutwine got there as the offensive line coach, you know, we, before I spoke about Michigan and they wanted to get bigger and tougher on the defensive line, well, that was the thing on the offensive line a few years ago. And they've done a really good job of identifying prospects just in terms of who they want um, and the body type. Offensive line coach Phil Troutwine wants a particular kid. He's got to have length. He's got to have a frame that can be developed. They're not really big into, hey, we got to shed 40 pounds from this kid. It's more you know, instead of breaking them down and building them up, they just want to be able to build them up. Um, they have to be agile. They have to bend really well. You really like them to be a multiple position guy. And they've done a really good job in this class of identifying that. And you look at early in the 23 class, they got a commitment from a kid named Anthony Donka out of Virginia, who at the time people were like, wait, who? Um, he only had a handful of offers. And now he's a you know kid everybody's talking about as a four-star prospect. Um and they also have a kid in the 24 class who will be on campus and he's committed in Cooper Cousins from out in Western Pennsylvania. And I was able to see Cooper at Penn State camp in early June. And it's the same kind of deal. Athletic, really moves well, can bend. You could see him playing either guard position, maybe moving out to tackle. Um, I also think he has the ability to play center with, with his high football IQ as well. And that's what they've really focused on is, again, it goes back to it. I don't care where you are, if you're going to win a championship, and I'm not saying just like, you know, a league championship, if you're going to win a national championship, you better be good on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And Blair, you know this, and you know, you, you've seen it with a lot of these kids in development. It's rare when a kid comes in right away and can compete on the offensive line. You got to remember some of these kids that are going against 24 years old, and these kids are 18 and 19. It's a big difference. Certainly. Uh, meanwhile, composite five-star Ellis Robinson is also part of the visits this weekend. He has the Nittany Lions in his top 10 life of a five-star. What is the latest <laughs> with his recruitment, Brian? Yeah, you know, Ellis is now down at IMG Academy. And look, he's number four player in the country, number two cornerback. I've seen him live a bunch of times. He's at IMG Academy, but don't forget, he is a kid from New Haven, Connecticut, who started his career at Iona Prep in New Rochelle, New York, um, which is not that far from the Penn State campus. His first offer was from Penn State. I remember talking to him really early in the process and how excited he was to go visit Penn State, how much he loved the atmosphere. It's still the same guy in the secondary, Terry Smith, who does you know not only a great job in recruiting, but but a really you know, great coach in the secondary too. Turns out, a lot of, turns out a lot of NFL guys at cornerback. And 
Ellis Robinson has really connected with him, um, has a lot of belief in him. And I know, you know, listen, I know there's people that think he's going to Georgia, you know, wherever. His top 10 is kind of like a who's who of college football. <laughs> but Penn State is right in the thick of this thing. And, you know, he's coming up with another kid, Ernest Wilnor or Willor from, he's originally from Baltimore, another top 50 kid who's an edge who's now at IMG. So Penn State has had success at IMG, and I expect them to be heavily involved in both of those kids till the end. Brian, how badly does Penn State need a victory this weekend with the wideout, with the recruits on hand, with what happened last week against Michigan? Um, I mean, I guess the popular thing to say is a lot, but not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, it. <laughs> they they've not had the most success in the last few years. I think that's been well documented. Um, this it's simple. If you have relationships and if you're good at recruiting, if you win games, you say, Hey, don't you want to be a part of this? And if you lose games, you say, Hey, if you're here, we don't lose this game. Make us that national championship contender. For me, it's the atmosphere. It's the chance to see these coaches face to face. It's the chance to understand what they do within a game, how they could be used. Because all these kids, you know, Ellis Robinson is going to spend a lot of time watching the secondary and how they're used and if adjustments are made, you know, and, and that goes for every position group. And so, I mean, it's nice. Everybody probably leaves in a better mood, but, you know, these kids are going to recruiting every weekend. I, I don't feel like a lot of them who are not committed. I don't, I don't feel like they care who wins or loses. They want to be entertained. They want to have a good time. And they want to figure out whether they can imagine themselves there or not. Brian Doan, you are a winner in our book. Thank you so much for all <laughs> of that great information. For more on Penn State's big recruiting weekend, head to Lions 24-7. Blair, a lot of good info there. But if we're going to talk about Oklahoma's struggles on the field, we got to mention what's been happening with Penn State. The inability to win that big game lately has made James Franklin a polarizing figure in the eyes of fans. But the commitment from the university, evident by way of that 10-year contract extension. So how does his status affect recruiting in the here and now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's one thing to monitor as the coaching carousel begins to churn here in the next few months and there's openings here left and right. James Franklin has always been a name that pops up atop hot boards for new coaching searches, for new uh, opportunities. And I think that's affected him in a way. That's affected Penn State's ability to close out strong, to recruit at a high level and to compete against the Ohio States and the Michigans on the recruiting trail. They need a lot of stability. They need continuity. Uh, he has, I think, a, a renowned commitment to that program. And now he just needs results because if he's going to continue to build this program up and continue on the trajectory that he began with, remember, he he, he started off really hot and as a hot commodity. Uh, if he continues on that trajectory, I think the sky is the limit for Penn State recruiting. Yeah, the whiteout is fun, but there is a more important W word, and that is win. Blair, thank you so much, and thank you all for joining us. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. He's Blair Angulo, I'm Emily Proud, and this is Recruiting 24-7.